You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. I bet you you pray for your family more than anybody else. Is that wrong? No. I bet you you pray for your favorite friends a little more than others. Is that wrong? No. But you need to pray for other people that are not your friends, people that you don't know. You need to learn to pray for that church down the street and that church across town and that missionary that's over there in that country. Learn to pray for things you don't immediately know. Learn to pray for them, all the saints. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, when one person in the body of Christ suffers, who else suffers? Everybody. We all suffer because we're connected, we're a body. Who are the people you pray for most often? Most likely close family, friends, and yourself. In today's message, Pastor Tom challenges you to zoom out your prayer life a bit. Look beyond those closest to you. Of course, it's great to cover your family and friends in prayer, but also make sure to be praying for your local churches, country, and missionaries serving in faraway lands. Pray for those who don't know the Lord. Pray for those who do, to remain strong in their faith. Love others by praying for them. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 5 with today's edition of Discover Hope. We don't get things done without prayer. The church doesn't advance without prayer. Doors don't open for the gospel without prayer. People don't get encouraged without prayer. Prayer is not a sideshow in the church. It's essential for every area that we do. Now, we talked about confession of sin. We need to confess sin in order to clear the air between us and the Lord. We don't get answered prayer because we're not confessing our sin. Then we go right back to our sin. We're disobedient. That's why the prayer requests don't get answered. And so we spend a lot of time talking about the need for confessing sin. That's kind of where we left off. If we're confessing sin, then our prayers become more powerful. Would you agree? And confess your sins and notice how they're connected. That's done on purpose. And pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. The term for healing there, i'aomai, usually means physical healing. And the context looks like it's talking about physical healing too. Other references would be Matthew 8, 8, Matthew 8, 13, Matthew 15, 28. Many times that verb is used and it means physical healing. So this is a promise for physical healing. God still heals and he can heal us through prayer. Indeed, we talked about that with the prayer of the elders when they are praying in faith. The term sometimes can indicate as a derivative of that spiritual healing. Is spiritual healing needed as well? Yes, it is. And so we need to be praying for one another with that. So we'd have to infer from this that lack of confession of sin and indulging in sin is why some people in the churches get sick. Not all, but some. So we should pray for one another in regard to our physical ailments. And though it's not specified here, we should pray for one another with so much more. We all need prayer. There are multiple needs in the church always. Any week in the church, in the life of the church, there is a whole range of things that are going on, all kinds of needs, all kinds of aspirations and hopes. And so you will see as you read your New Testament the constant emphasis on prayer. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, Brothers, pray for us. Simple enough. I like verses like that. Brothers, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians 1.11, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Oh, there's just so much in that. Every work of faith, everything. Just keep praying 
constantly. Do you see the sense that everything that goes on in the church needs prayer? Every good endeavor needs prayer so that it gets worked out. Sometimes we try to do something good, it doesn't get worked out. Why not? Because we thought, we'll just, well, we'll just kind of go and we'll just do it, and it doesn't work out well. It's because we're not praying. 2 Corinthians 13, 9, For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. This we also pray for, that you be made complete. Well, if we're not made complete yet, then I guess there's still a lot to pray for. When you think of a brother or sister in church, or you think of anybody, you think of their needs, pray for them, not just for their health, but for their whole development, that they would be made complete. Jesus interceded for his own, On the night that he was betrayed and Peter was going to be so tempted, Jesus told Peter, but I have prayed for you. What was he praying there? That your faith may not fail. See, it's the possibility from the human perspective that people's faith will be faced with something that is so strong it destroys their faith. And so Jesus interceded for them and said, I have prayed for you that your faith, your saving faith, your faith in God won't fizzle out, won't fail, won't be destroyed by the lies of the devil. That's pretty important to pray for, I think. Do you ever pray for that for someone else? Do you ever worry that maybe they will wander away from the faith and whatever faith it looks like they have that they need to be prayed for? By the way, if you look at the next verses in James, it's all about that. People that stray from church, stray from the faith, and then the rest of us are trying to win them back. Do you see that? Look, this is a church. What's a church? A church is a local body of believers. You know, if we didn't have this building to assemble in, we had another, we'd still be a church because the church is the people. And the people are to worship God, love God, love his truth first, and then love one another second. We have to love God first. He's our priority, all that he wants us to do. We can't compromise with the world. We can't act like loving people means we can not love God. We have to love God, keep his commandments, be pure, and then love one another. That's what we do in church. We keep the ordinances, you know, and we pray for one another. That's what you do in church. You pray for one another. So, That's what a local church is all about. Here's another reference to intercessory prayer. Ephesians 6.18. You don't have to turn there. It just says this. With all prayer, that means every kind of prayer, and petition, pray at all times, so that you have all these alls in this verse. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Holy Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance, in other words, never give up on your prayers, and petition for all the saints. He had four alls in there if you had caught it, you know. All the time, all the saints, all perseverance, every kind of prayer. Wow. You know, by the way, the Bible never teaches us to pray to the saints, but it does tell us to pray for all the saints. That's not the guys that died or are in heaven now and getting their reward from Jesus. They don't need our prayers or whatever prayers they need. Jesus take care of that. People down here that need prayer, Right? There's struggles down here. We need prayer. I think people treat prayer like a a holy wish. It's not really something that does anything, so why do it? It's just, you know, oh yeah, in church it's time to pray. Okay, bow your head. And then you start thinking about something else, you don't even pray. It's not really all that important in your mind. It's like, it's something you do. Oh, let's have a moment of silence. Good. (laughs) It doesn't do anything. That's not how we're to think of prayer. Prayer is needed. Prayer accomplishes things. The more you grow in Christ, the more your faith means something, the more you will see, I really can't do anything without prayer. It's not a slogan we say, nothing will get done without prayer. Like we're supposed to say that, but not really believe that. No, that's actually true. Nothing actually does get done without prayer. I'm saved because someone prayed for me. And some of them I know, like my mom. (laughs) 
Others of them, I probably won't know until I get to heaven. When people listen to something that I say and they respond to that, or one of the elders goes and counsels someone and they respond to that, it's because somebody's praying. Something's getting done because of prayer. So if you're in the battle and you saw that battle for our scripture reading with Moses and her and up on the, the hillside overlooking the battle, you might think like, well, they're winning the war because they're using good strategy down there. Oh, now they're losing the battle because, well, they didn't get themselves arranged really well. And you wouldn't really think that the cause of the whole thing was the intercession and prayer that's going up on the hill next to it. But that's exactly what's happening. And so it is in the church as well. Things don't get done without that. By the way, we can't neglect any believer in our prayers. I bet you you pray for your family more than anybody else. Is that wrong? No. I bet you you pray for your favorite friends a little more than others. Is that wrong? No. But you need to pray for other people that are not your friends, people that you don't know. You need to learn to pray for that church down the street and that church across town and that missionary that's over there in that country. Learn to pray for things you don't immediately know. Learn to pray for them, all the saints. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, when one person in the body of Christ suffers, who else suffers? Everybody. We all suffer because we're connected. We're a body. Every spiritual gift is needed. There's some people in this church using their spiritual gifts well, and they're getting tired. And there's some of you that are not using your spiritual gifts all that well. You don't even know what they are, and you're not employing them and using them, and you're not getting exhausted. And we need to pray that you will discover it and use it and learn it and sacrifice so that the rest of the ministries that God wants to do in this local church will happen. Every home needs prayer. We often find ourselves as elders praying for the marriages or praying for the home or something like that. Marriages need prayer. Pray for them. Sometimes people are having a tough time, and it's quiet, and it's behind the scenes. You need to be praying for them. Every single believer needs to follow the will of God. They'll find joy in that. They'll find fulfillment in that. Christians, I think, who are concerned for one another take prayer requests. They write them down. They take them home. I think when we come to church, we want something that fun to happen for us. We want to come into a church. We want to sit down, and we want that church to be just right for us. Can I just politely say that that's the wrong attitude? I don't really know that there's a church that's perfect for anyone. And if it is, it'll change down the road anyway. And then what are you going to do, bounce and go somewhere else? You know, like this store has a good sale, so I go there. And now that sale's over, so now I go over here. Is that how it is kind of with church? You know, we just bounce around until it's just right for me and my family. My, oh, they have the right programs for my kids. And that's not really the way to approach church. You should come to church and you should say, am I the right person for this church? Am I coming to give to this church? Am I coming to love the people in this church? What can I bring you know, to this church. Ask not what your church can do for you. <laughs> you got it. Okay. The old Kennedy slogan. What are you bringing? What are you doing? How are you giving towards the congregation? How can you be a blessing and a benefit? Well, first thing you can start to do, even when you don't know where you fit in, is pray. Pray for one another. Intercession goes hand in hand with loving relationships because people have their heads up and they're looking around and they're thinking, I came today, I'm not in the best mood, I kind of got up late, but I'm here for other people. Oh, I'm going to have a conversation with that person. What's going on in their life? So you involve yourself in their life and you find out, wow, there's a problem. Now are you kind of bothered that you involved yourself in their life because now you've got to help them with their problem? Or are you like... We're going to pray for you. I don't really know how to solve that. I don't really even know what to say to you this morning. I just want to let you know I love you. I'm going to pray for you this week. Can you do that? That's what loving relationships are really all about. But if you're oblivious, you know, you come to church and you leave and you're angry. Why? Because it wasn't set up well for you. The message didn't appeal to you. You didn't like the songs. 
whatever it is, and you go back, you know, hands in the pocket, like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm coming back for a few weeks. I didn't really like that. It's all about you then, isn't it? It's not really about what Christ said the church was about. Don't be oblivious to the needs of other people. Pray for them. Right now, there are people who are sick, very sick. There are people who are languishing, struggling, looking for employment. They're worried. They wake up in the middle of the night and they're worried and they don't even want to tell you. They're frustrated. They're tempted. They're looking at some things they shouldn't be looking at. They're being tempted in a relationship they shouldn't. Their mind is wrapped around money and they don't want to admit it. And they're frustrated with life. They're disappointed with life and they need your prayers. They need constant intercession. So I'm just going to ask you, will you petition God on their behalf? Will you do that? Will you make requests for their souls also? That's what we're being told to do here. That's why we should pray more. All right, reason number three. Here we go. Why should we pray more? Because prayer changes things. This is where you're going to struggle with this. I'm glad it's here in James because everything in the Word of God is true and you're going to read this and you're going to wonder, is this really true? I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to wrestle with this. Prayer changes things. In other words, it's not just cosmetic. Well, we prayed because that's the thing that we do in church. You know, time to pray. Okay, we pray. Okay, it's over. Did that do anything? Yes. Yes, it did. How do I know? Well, you have to watch. Look at the end of verse 16. The effective prayer of a righteous man is a waste of time. Did I misread it? I like to do that in my Bible reading every once in a while to make sure you're not just reading it without understanding. The effective prayer of a righteous man can once in a while get answered. It says it can accomplish much, right? The word prayer there in Greek is daesis, which refers to a specific petition. It's talking about a petition. It's a common word for making petitions, such as in Luke 1.13, the angel said to Zacharias, that's the father of John the Baptist, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll give him the name John, John the Baptist. There is an effective petition, which God listens to. God's a person. God makes his own choices. He decides to answer prayer or not answer prayer. There's a kind of petition that when it goes up, God says, I'm going to answer that petition. Implied in this is there's a kind of petition that when it goes up, God says, I'm not going to answer this. Which kind of petition would you like to pray? I wouldn't want to waste my time with a bunch of stuff that God's not going to listen to. Otherwise, the whole religious experiment will seem like a waste of time. You'll get frustrated. You'll wander away from the faith you never really had. And you'll think you tried it and it didn't work for you, but you never really tried it because you didn't do it the right way. So I want to learn to pray the right way because God doesn't have to listen to anyone's prayers, but he graciously listens to some prayers the effective prayer of a righteous man. That's important. God wants us making specific petitions, effective petitions to him. Why? So we can see them come true, so that they will accomplish much. It's pretty simple. Why do you spend time praying? To change things and see good things happen. That's why we pray. Some of our praying is too general. You wouldn't know if it was answered or not. Lord, bless people on earth today. How would you know? I mean, think about that one rising up to heaven. What would you do with that? What would you do with that? I mean, how, where is the faith in that? Where is the risk in that? Are you risking anything? I'm going to pray and ask for that. Well, what if that doesn't happen? Well, then I know that it doesn't happen, but I'm going to pray for it. 
See, we don't want to be risky with our prayer. We want to sound spiritual, like, Lord, bless your name somehow through these requests, and if I've asked anything that's not right. I mean, what is that? I know that that's a good sentiment. I'm not trying to say that sentiment where we submit to the sovereignty of God and he has his will. But, you know, I like the prayers like Jacob when he grabbed God, who was in a theophany. That means he was in a, some kind of a body in the Old Testament. He grabbed them and he wrestled them. Do you remember what Jacob said to God when he was physically wrestling with God through the night? He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. That's pretty specific. Man was ardent, you know. So petitions need to be specific. You need to hone your request. What are you asking for? How would you know if it's even being answered? Take time to think about your requests. Check your motives first. What are your goals by the way, double-check your motives and goals. By the way, triple-check them, you know, because we need to make sure it's right. Then, in the name of Jesus, ask specific things. From this context, I think we could say ask bold things of God. Then watch what he does. Watch what he does. What are you praying for specifically? Is it bold, ambitious for God's kingdom? What are you praying for for your children, that they just grow up and get their degree and have a nice job and get married and not so bold, you know. It's not so bold. Notice that the effective prayer must be made by a righteous man. That might seem like a little bit of a roadblock to your prayers because Romans 3.10 flatly says there are none righteous. <laughs> a little bit of a snafu. But then we remember we gain righteousness as a gift, not something we earn, from who? Christ. We put our faith in Christ who is righteous. He lived perfectly righteous. And he imputes, that is, reckons to our account his own righteousness so that we can be right before God. By the way, if you came in here and you thought that you could do good works to get saved and to go to heaven, you can't do good works to go to heaven. That's a lie of religion. You have to do perfect works to go to heaven. Heaven's a perfect place. Unless you've lived perfectly throughout your whole life, you have no chance of going to heaven. Look, we don't preach that gay people go to hell. We preach all people go to hell. All right? That's the flat line. We're all headed to judgment unless you get delivered. You can't get delivered by good works. You can only be delivered by perfection. And that's the life of Jesus. So you have to ask him, save me. And then he takes his perfect life and it is counted as if you live that life. Is that a good deal? That's the imputation of Christ. That's our doctrine of justification by faith alone, apart from any good works that we do. And then we get a righteous standing and then we pray. Lord, I don't deserve to be one praying. I was lusting, I used to blaspheme your name, I did all these things, but I hear of the righteousness of Jesus and he died on the cross for me and I'm now coming and I'm praying based upon his righteousness. In fact, it even says that in 1 Corinthians 1.13, Jesus Christ has now become our righteousness. So all of us now have access to God in prayer if we have faith in Jesus, not because we live good lives, but because of Christ. So we read Promises like Hebrews 4.16, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can get God's help because of the righteousness of Christ. Dr. Douglas Moo writes, prayer, James wants to make clear, is a powerful weapon in the hands even of the humblest believer. It does not require a super saint to wield it effectively. And that's true. You can get praying right now and see answers to prayer. However, we still need to show our faith in Jesus by living righteous lives. We need to show that we are following Christ and being obedient to him. And when we are, what can we expect? 
What will this specific petition of a righteous man accomplish? Well, we're told it's going to accomplish much. Actually, that's energeo paulus. It's going to work with energy. You can hear the word energy. It's going to work out much. That same verb is used in Ephesians 3.20. Now to God who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works, there's the verb, within us. He has a power working within us, and when we ask him, he can do far more than we can even imagine or even ask. That's the God that we talk to. Prayer opens the working hand of God so that when I pray, we say prayer works, but really what's happening is God is working. God has chosen not to work until you pray. But when you pray the right way, then he really works and goes beyond what you can imagine. Challenge your prayer life. And it's not a little, but much. That's why prayers must be bold. If we reduce our prayers down to the kinds of things that we think are going to happen anyways, based upon the resources we already see, what kind of a God are we praying to? He purposefully puts roadblocks in front of us, difficulties that have no solution, so we can see him do something about it. That's kind of... The story of life, right? Get past what you see with your eyes and start believing what you can't see with your eyes. Another promise Jesus made in the upper room to his disciples in John 14, 13 was, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. What a marvelous promise. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Was that just for the 12 or 11 at that point? No, that whatever is purposefully all-encompassing, he was training those disciples so those disciples would go on and train other disciples and pray that way. Asking in Jesus' name is not name it, claim it. It's not blab it, grab it. It's not, in Jesus' name, I want to be rich. Where is it? In Jesus' name means as if you're standing in the shoes of Jesus and praying what he would pray. And you're praying for his glory. You're having access through him. You're praying the kind of prayers that Jesus would pray. You've aligned your will, your purpose, your life with him, and now you're praying in his name. When you do that, then you'll see God answer prayer. It's not a blank check for greedy souls. It's not an Aladdin's lamp to rub. So the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Like what? Well, there's an illustration given next, and that's Elijah. Elijah. Verse 17, Elijah. Well, who's he? He's that Old Testament mighty prophet of God, celebrated among the Jews, really next to Moses. He's the most important figure in the Old Testament to them, at least since the law was given. It's Moses and then Elijah. He was that great. Why? For his bold stand against sin and idolatry, and then his being taken into heaven in a whirlwind where he did not even die. There's so many aspects of Elijah's life that James could have brought out here in his letter, and he could have highlighted them and said, learn from Elijah here, but he picks Elijah's prayer life on purpose. And it's interesting because when you read in the Old Testament, you don't see quite emphasize the prayer life as much as James is saying it, but it's there. It had to be there. We're going to turn back to 1 Kings 17 just so we can see how this story unfolded in Elijah's life, and we can see his prayer life. 1 Kings... We'll go back to chapter 17, because that's kind of where he appears out of nowhere, it seems. He appears out of nowhere and then goes to nowhere. He's a very interesting character. 1 Kings 17, 1 says, Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, Ahab is the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. 
And Israel's been in a lot of idolatry and Ahab is not a good king. And so now the prophet comes to the palace or somewhere like that. And it says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, notice he's the living God, before whom I stand. In other words, as a prophet of God, I serve him. Surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Powerful thing to say to a king and powerful, right? Who are the people that you spend time praying for? You learned in today's message from Pastor Tom that your prayer life should extend beyond your inner circle. People all over the world need prayer. Consider praying for your church, the churches in your surrounding community, and missionaries serving out in the mission field. You learn that prayer is an effective and powerful tool that God has given you to communicate with Him. Let your life become saturated with prayer to the Lord. And make sure to tune in to Discover Hope next time to continue learning more about why you should pray more. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Lee, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit HopeBible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Pastor Tom will share the example of the Old Testament prophet Elijah, and you'll hear of the amazing answers God gave to his prayers. He offers the same ability to you that he did Elijah. Take time to go to the Lord in prayer today. There's much more to learn from the book of James, so we hope you'll tune in next time. If you'd like to listen again to today's teaching or share it with friends and family, you'll find it online at hopebible.org. Thanks for joining us on Discover Hope.